You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. I'm also joined tonight by Mr. Pack Daddy himself, Ryan Schlipp. Ryan, say hello to the folks. How's it going, folks? <laughs> your folks, my folks, any folks, it doesn't matter. But uh, what we're going to be doing, guys, is a, a nice little chalk talk segment. And, uh, this is uh, either you're watching live right now on Twitter or YouTube, or you're checking this out on the podcast form uh, there on Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning, I should say. But I just want to say thanks for joining us. And Ryan, man, this was a this was a fun week, dude, of football. I know it was frustrating watching the Tampa Bay game live. I'm sure your blood pressure was up just like mine. <laughs> and uh, when everything you know kind of concluded. It was just nice to be on the winning side of one of these weird games. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. So I haven't got a chance to talk to you much about it. Before we get into some of the footage, some of the the, the game tape, uh, what was your takeaway? Now we're, what, 48 hours removed, whatever it is. Um, are you are, are you pretty satisfied with the win? I know it's a win is a win, right? But at the same time, there were some things that could have been better. How do you feel, man? Well, in my heart of hearts, I, I kind of thought we were going to lose that game. And just to see them come out and almost, I mean, they almost blew them out right out of the gate. I mean, we almost scored 21 points like it was nothing. I know it got a little rocky there. Um, it's crazy how that can happen if you don't have a rhythm. You know, you can have two good plays and get yourself into a third and one, and then something just kind of goes wrong. One guy misses a block or somebody runs a wrong route or there's a penalty and it just blows up the whole thing. And it just seems like they kind of lost their rhythm. But defense was great. Special teams is about as good as I've seen special teams in the uh, – I don't know how long for the Green Bay Packers. So it's growth. And and the most important thing is against a very prominent opponent, we got the win and that we continue to grow from this because we got some slightly less talented opponents coming up. Absolutely. That's the, that's the awesome thing to me too. You hit the nail on the head. <clears throat> Just the fact that, you know, we come away with, with this win here, which I kind of had chalked up as a loss 
And then obviously going into or, you know, playing New England, I think I said on the podcast, I've got it in my mind. We're playing in New England for some reason, but we're actually obviously it's at Lambeau. That was one I kind of looked at like, I don't know, man, you never know with Belichick and, and Mac Jones in his second year. Well, now Mac Jones, obviously, I think it's pretty much all but confirmed he's not going to be able to play in that game. I mean, look on his face, his leg was hanging off, it looked like. But uh, with that being said, man, this feels like. I know any given Sunday, I get it, but man, this this feels like a slam dunk win now. So all of a sudden, so uh, yep. we'll see what happens. Though we don't want to, we don't want to send any bad juju's out there for sure. But um, it's looking good, man. Everything's kind of falling into place. But let's geek out over some footage here, man. And and guys uh, listening on the podcast, we're gonna do our best to describe to you in audio form what we're seeing. And really, the whole purpose of this is for all of us to come away. With a little bit understanding, a little bit better understanding, I should say, as to what the Packers are trying to do to attack opposing defenses. And I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen here, Ryan. You just let me know if you can't see it. Make sure everything's all right here. But um, the first thing we're gonna look at, we're gonna start off with a little funny clip here, dude. And describing, uh, you know, for the folks at home, this was a formation where it was a, uh, it looked like a trips left formation, and you had Romeo Dobbs to the far left, you had Alan Lazard in the middle and you had Randall Cobb um, in the inside, what would probably be technically the slot. And I just want to play this for you, Ryan. Look at this right here. Watch Lazard on this play. For those of you listening, basically Cobb runs a quick flat route to the sideline and Lazard just absolutely cleans his guy up. Jeez. <laughs> when you freeze frame it like that, he's I, I think he went unconscious for a few seconds there. I'm telling you, dude, this, I mean, look at his, look at his head. His head ragdolled. Oh my God, dude. I seen that come across the, the Twitter feed and I was like, my goodness, put that on loop in one of those, those digital picture frames right next to the wedding photos, dude. That <laughs> is just unbelievable. And when you watch it in real time, like Lazard, you could tell, man, Lazard was out for blood in this yep. game. And watch it, watch it right here in real time. We're just going to loop it here. Look. <laughs> <laughs> And watch how he gets up like, why did you do that to me? Yeah. Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, that, that's where you got to act tough to save face. Exactly. You got to do something. I know yeah. that. So, all right, let's get into the first play here, man. This came in the first quarter. There was five minutes and 17 seconds left. It was a third and six play. And the play call is uh, formation-wise 11 gun, doubles tight, strong left, Y off, flex, halfback week all right and just to kind of describe it it's a little bit hard to see because we're in the all 22 it's zoomed out pretty far but again to describe the formation you have 11 guns so 11 personnel that's three wide receivers 11 meaning one running back one tight end you got three wide receivers and it's doubles tight so you got doubles up top you got tight down here at the bottom you've got strong left which means the tight end is lined up on the on the on the left side of the formation Y off. Okay. So he is the Y receiver. Uh, the tight end, you know, is the Y and he is playing off the line of scrimmage. And it's also flex because he is detached from the offensive line. Halfback weak simply means the halfback is on the opposite side of the tight end. And you see Aaron Rodgers do this quite often. And I really don't know the correct terminology of what this is called. But uh, I know they used to have a thing. It was called. It was kind of a wing look. They called it. And I, maybe that's the proper terminology, Ryan. But they basically got the halfback one yard behind the uh, behind the offensive line, so he's in front of Aaron Rodgers, but offset to the right, which would be the weak side. And, and it's obvious he's just there to chip block and maybe get out into a route. But we're going to roll this forward because originally, what I noticed 
was this was supposed to be a flood concept. And what I mean by flood, starting from left to right, guys, for you listening on the pod, you have Alan Lazard as the far left receiver. You got obviously the tight end next to him offset in the flex position um, there with the Y off. And then on the opposite side of the field, you have Dobbs in the slot and Cobb up top, which would technically be the Z. Lazard would be the X at the bottom of the screen. Okay, so we're going from right to left for those of you listening. Now, with the flood concept, basically what you're looking to do is Tunyon in that in that inside position there at the bottom, Ryan, he's going to clear out and Lazard's going underneath. So he's running somewhat of a drag or a crossing route. And then Tunyon's coming right across um, the backside there with a deep dig. That's what you call a flood concept. And it's going to be complete because if you watch Dobbs at the top of the screen there in the slot, he's going to run a corner route, what's supposed to be a corner route. And it was a, originally a flood, in my opinion. That's what that's what the, the combination looks like because I think Cobb was, was supposed to run a fly route. He was supposed to clear out. But what's so cool about this, and the reason I don't give the actual play name, I just gave kind of the formation set, is because on the fly, this was an adjustment that Aaron Rodgers – and Randall Cobb made. Ryan, it's kind of hard to see, but if you look at the very top of the screen, look at Randall Cobb. You can see his white gloves. Watch his right hand flash right there. You see it? Oh, yeah. It's a little signal, right? And what he's doing is he's telling anybody who's watching, whether it's Dobbs or Rogers, kind of hard to see here, okay, I'm going hot. Because the reason he's going hot, watch that inside corner there on Dobbs. He's showing blitz, just that little step. See him cheating right there over Dobbs, just cheating just a touch. So they recognize this is a cat blitz. This is a corner blitz. So what's going to happen is Cobb's going to break off his fly route, that streak that's a part of that original flood concept, and he's just going to run a smoke route. They read the cat blitz, so you see the corner break. Cobb breaks it off to a smoke route. Rogers sees it, hammers it home. And, and of course, Cobb, man, right here with this move, Ryan, yeah. my goodness. I mean, he he looks rejuvenated this year. He right. really does. So I, I, that's the best that I can come up with as far as diagnosing this play. And this is a perfect example because we hear about Rodgers talking about once we get into the regular season, the offense changes. It's going to come down to – and he said on the Pat McAfee show a couple of weeks ago, he said it's not about what to do, it's why you're doing it. And the why right here is definitely them recognizing that corner blitz and motioning, signaling, whatever you want to call it. And, and watch Dobbs. He doesn't run a short, he doesn't run a sharp corner route as a part of this flood. You can see he recognizes something. See how he throws his hand out? Look at mm-hmm. Dobbs right there. He's even recognizing it. It's like he's pointing, like, hey, this this looks like a blitz. Now he doesn't even run his corner route. He just kind of looks back. And it's kind of seeing, okay, do I need to be a safety valve for Aaron Rodgers here? So I just thought that was really cool. I thought that would be a neat one to break down because, you know, we like to break down the schematics and, and how this stuff comes into play from LaFleur's system, you know, systematic standpoint. But in this situation, this is one of those plays where Aaron just on the fly with Randall Cobb, they recognize something and make the play. What do you think about that, man? Well, I mean, that's why Rodgers wants a guy like Cobb. And, and for us, it's hard to understand because we understand that he's not Pete Cobb anymore. And we want the guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs that have the athleticism and this the freakish this, that, and the other. But, you know, what is this play if you don't recognize a blitz and you're streaking down the field like, oh, I'm going to get this 20-yard play and your quarterback's on his back because you didn't know that this guy was about to come, you know? 
It's little yeah. subtle things like that that I know Rodgers is going to have a half a second to get this ball out of his hand. I got to do something. And Rodgers Cobb being on the same page, it's critical for these types of things. And and the run after the catch is just a little bonus. He's always been so good at that. He's he's such a violent, you know, you watch him run and it's like, man, I, I know he's a smaller guy, but I feel like he's one of the last guys I'd want to plow right through me because he runs with such violence every single time he touches the ball. Absolutely. And it's something that comes natural to him. Cause, and I say that because I watched his entire career at the University of Kentucky. I, he was probably my favorite player of all time to watch play at Kentucky. And he came in his freshman year and played like this. He played with the, just that natural instinct, that yep. quick burst, and like you said, that violence. I mean, he he runs like kind of like a mix of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones with his running style. And, yep. um, yeah, I just love Cobb. Now, here's the fun part, though. As we talked about Lazard, guys. I was just going to say, if you weren't going to say it, I was. <laughs> this, this is the best part, man. So, like we said, as a part of this flood concept, Lazard's job was to run underneath Tunyon as he cleared out and was going to run that deep dig. Lazard's running kind of a drag. It, it looks like it was going to be a drag, a, a shallow cross at first. He recognizes what's going on and kind of turns it into a crosser. And as he does, Cobb makes the catch. He's now at the middle hash marks, and Lazard just says, you know what, I'm going hunting. He goes straight across the field and absolutely annihilates a cornerback. And yep. here's a better view of it right here, Ryan. We're going to switch now to a different camera angle. Now we're right behind the defense. So you're kind of zoomed in on the box. All right, the ball is snapped. There comes Lazard across the formation. And watch it zoom in on Lazard here, man. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does not get any better than that. Again, I just we opened up with that crack block. And then here you see Lazard. This is a passing play, guys. This is a passing play where Lazard <laughs> says, you know what? I just want to hit somebody. It's right. been so long since I've had an opportunity to hit somebody. I want to ask you this. I know it's a chalk talk segment. But this this might be a good little conversation. How do you feel about re-signing Alan Lazard, man? What price do you think it would be worth? to have Lazard re-signed with the Green Bay Packers? I'd have to think about putting a specific number on it, but I, I I talked about it recently. I don't remember which podcast it was, but I think he does re-sign because I think what he does is more valuable to us than a lot of other teams. Um, you know, people want, again, the Romeo Dobbs, those types of players and everything else. They want the Tyreek Hills. You know, MVS made a ton of money. Why? He's not that good because he's fast. He runs fast in a straight line, and that that helps a lot of teams and everything else. Alan Lazard being as big as he is, you know, one of the few teams that actually still wants and utilizes the Mercedes Lewises of the world. Um, seeing that violence and that physicality is funny. I, was, I go on Twitter and I, I talk, I brag about the, the run-blocking ability of our wide receivers, and I know I'm going to get tore up for it. You see Bears fans and everybody else like, you idiot. You actually brag about that? It's like, well, in Green Bay, yeah, man, it's kind of an important thing. And um, the violence and physicality that he brings. Uh, and, and honestly, if you watch a lot of these run plays, you'll see a lot of – not just the Packers, the Bears and everybody else. Um, wide receivers can fail and, and blow up an entire run play because they're not blocking their one guy. So – he carries a lot of value that kind of flies under the radar. You know, they just look at the box score and, oh, he caught two passes for this many yards or whatever. He didn't have a good day. But, man, you go back and watch him do this kind of stuff. Again, he's just running his route. He could have just kind of slowed down and been like, oh, there he goes. No, he he went and found work. You know, he, yep. he's, he said, I, if I get on my horse, I could probably blast that dude. And he did. And we got an extra probably five yards out of it. 
So yeah, yeah no, I, I, I think he stays. I don't think it's going to be wide receiver one money. I don't think he's going to earn that here. And I don't think anybody else is going to want to pay him that. So he's going to, his value is what he does here. And I don't know that anyone else is going to value it as much as we do. Absolutely. And, and obviously there's no restricted free agent tender that's going to be able to be applied. So he's going to hit the open market if he's not re-signed before then, which I don't know if I expect him to re-sign before then, but I think it's going to be one of those situations kind of like with Aaron Jones where they're going to let him go out and test the market. And they've got, and, and that to me, that has benefited uh, uh, Green Bay so many times in the past, Ryan, like that, that they would just say, go get your best offer and bring it back. And yep. I think most of the time they end up saving money because the, the right. player gets the free agency and they're like, okay, maybe there isn't a market for me. Yep. Right. Well, so, and that makes sense. I, I would assume a lot of players and agents overestimate their own value. And so they, you know, you get a, a $10 million guy coming in saying, I want 15, 16. And they kind of just like, look, I tell you what, just go, just go poke around, make some calls and come back to me in a week and see where you're at. And I'm sure they come back with their tail between their legs in a week or two saying, all right, let's have a conversation. Can we bring it up a little bit, please? I'm sure that happens all over the league. Definitely. Yeah. So again, guys, that was in the first quarter, five seventeen left. That was a third and six play. We were down three to nothing. Okay. And again, the play call was 11 or the, the formation, I should say 11 gun doubles tight, strong left, Y off flex halfback weak. And I believe it was originally a flood concept that obviously went hot because of the uh, corner blitz there. It's just, I mean, it's 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 just a byproduct of having a veteran, all pro, back to back MVP quarterback and a receiver that you know nobody's gonna try to stretch it and say that that Randall Cobb is a, is a pro bowler and all pro by no stretch of the imagination. But when you're on the same page with the quarterback, and these are the things that Aaron talked about, I. I know that Randall Cobb, and I'm a I'm a big Randall Cobb fan. I'm 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 the biggest, you know, I'm the president of the Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb fan club. But I know he was asking for too much money when he hit free agency. But could you imagine if he had stayed in Green Bay? I mean, if if they he comes back and after one year of being back, they're already back on the same page like this. It's just it's amazing, man. It really is. So uh, again, that was the play. Um, we're going to go ahead and switch it over here now. I've got another one pulled up. This one's a fun one as well. Let me get the uh, let me get the right play call on the screen here. All right, there that is. All right, so this play here came in the second quarter, Ryan. There was 5.57 left. It was first and 10, and the formation was 11 gun, trips left, strong right, halfback weak, and it, it was a zone right bubble looky alert. Okay, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that. So let's go to the tape here. And, again, with that formation, that set, guys, 11 guns. So it was 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. It is a trips left, meaning um, all three receivers are lined up on the left side of the field. And it was a strong right, meaning the tight end was attached. You notice there was no uh, flex mentioned in the play call because the tight end is attached to the play. And he is on the uh, the right side of the field, making it a strong right. Halfback weak simply means the halfback is on the weak side of the formation, which basically means the opposite side of the tight end. So that's your set right there. 11 gun, trips left, strong right, strong right, halfback weak. Now the play is a zone right bubble, looky alert, okay? And what I mean by that is this is one of the RPO plays. This isn't just an RPO play, though, Ryan. You know, RPO would be, okay, you've got – a zone right run, right? And then you've got your bubble 
RPO action, right? But there's also a looky alert in this. And what I mean by looky alert, if you watch this play unfold, as the ball is snapped, they they fake the run action to the right. The reason we know it was a RPO is because watch the center and the right guard pull. That's not a pass blocking <laughs> technique, mm -hmm. right? So they're obviously pulling to the right. They think they're running the ball. They think that A.J. Right. Dillon is right behind them running a zone right run. Now, Aaron at, at the at the line of scrimmage, he's already made the determination that, look, I, we are not running the ball here. We're going to pass. But now he's got two options, and that's where this playbook gets so freaking deep as far as one single play. So when you talk about the bubble action, if you look up top, you've got Lazard. He's the middle receiver up here, right here. You're going to see him run a bubble. See the bubble there? Mm -hmm. So he's bubbling out. Dobbs did a piss poor job trying to block his guy, but that's okay because the alert looky, the looky alert, I should say, is Randall Cobb just on this fly route. So there's actually three options to this play. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers can do whatever he wants to do. And the fact that it's a zone right run to where no one's getting to the second level other than an eligible receiver in Bob Tunyon, you don't have to worry about ineligible downfield. And, and that's one thing that really impresses me about this offense, Ryan. When they first talked about bringing in RPOs into this offense a little bit more, I kind of expected there to be a lot of ineligible penalties, you know, in, in, ineligible downfield. That's a hard thing to kind of get the timing down on. But th this play here, they're running more horizontal as far as the power pulling guards there. It could be considered a power play. It is zone, but the fact that they've got a, a, a center and a guard pulling to the strong side, it could be considered power. But I just love this, man, because Rodgers looks up. He knows from the snap, okay, I'm not running the ball. I may go to the bubble. When the ball snapped, what he's keying in on is that weak side backer. And by weak side backer, I mean right here. That's yeah. opposite the tight end side. Watch what he does. This is what's so beautiful. He takes a step left, then he comes back right, yep. and then he goes back left. <laughs> well, I was going to say, that's the guy being stressed right now. I mean, he, yeah. he's he got an impossible position. I mean, in this case, the right decision would, would have been for him to drop, but, you know, I mean, he he, he can't win no matter what he does. Um, he, he was just in a completely impossible position because, yeah, I mean, if you hand the ball off, you're you're – you're doomed if they throw the screen you're out of position but yeah i mean that's that's who you're really stressing is that guy right there that's that's crazy it's wild isn't it and it, this falls into the category is of you know he didn't know whether to crap or go blind so he closed one eye and farted this is it right here like he is being asked to help attack the bubble and you can see him glance over right there he kind of takes a peek he's yeah. being asked to first of all he's got he's got to stay you know with gap integrity to the run he's got to play that so as soon as the ball is snapped, Rodgers gives a little run action. He slides left thinking, okay, I've got to sell off this B-gap left, the cutback lane, right? And as soon as he realizes, okay, they're not running, crap, i got to help with the bubble. And then when he gets to that point, now he sees Rodgers staring a hole through him, and he's like, wait, is he going to cop? <laughs> well, and it almost looked like, it's kind of hard to tell, but it looked like for a half a second Rodgers peeked over to the bubble, and that's what caused the linebacker to kind of start going that way. But I can't imagine how much his brain just broke when you see that bubble, but you also see Randall Cobb just go screaming past your right arm. Like, uh, I feel like this is going to be bad. I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like this is going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it too. Right here, man, he is, I mean, he is staring the bubble down. 
Yeah. He is completely staring the bubble down. And I mean, this right here, and, even and also right, even he, even right after the handoff, he's kind of like cocking his arm. Yep. Absolutely. That's what turns, I was say. Yeah. He cocks it, and that makes him, you know, that's that's really what made him jump back to the left. And then he turns, plants, and throws that way. Look at that accuracy, man. Yep. You said it a couple podcasts ago, man. There is nothing wrong with Aaron Rodgers' accuracy. Right. He, he looks as accurate as he's ever been. And and really, it, the, the issue has been the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Once we get that settled in, and that's what's so funny, man. I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm like, what? God, if we could just get this offensive line blocking. Think of everything they've got to be aware of with what we right. just talked about. <laughs> right. It's amazing. Well, so, and, it, and, and too, you know, there's a lot of times I'll go back and look at stuff and I want to scream at a guy, but some of these guys are put in real tough positions. And I that that's what makes me think about PFF, too. It's like, you know, sometimes Runyon gets a really good grade and it's like, okay, well, he and Bakhtiari are on a double team. On the other end, you got, you know, Jenkins is supposed to get to the next level on a linebacker that's about five yards past him and somehow he's supposed to cut him off. So, yeah, I mean, obviously he's going to get the bad grade while the guy getting the double team is getting a good grade. But, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, th- these things take time and some of these some of these guys are put in real tough spots to be able to win. But um, I, I think there is a lot of good, you know, as much as it's kind of frustrating to see Rodgers constantly under pressure. It just takes one guy kind of getting beat for a half a second for Rodgers to be like, you know, get panicky, get jittery and have to get the ball out of his hand. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and again, you can you can watch you can watch Roy Snooman and Josh Myers on this play until they think it's a run. Like it's but, at this point that Josh Myers is like, okay, why is this guy looking away from the play right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I don't know that Dylan doesn't get a good chunk of yards there. I mean, I'm, I'm a little curious about uh, whether Elton's going to win that, but I think mm-hmm. he gets through there. I think he gets a bunch of yards. That's yeah, set up pretty nicely. Yeah, you're right. You know, it, because at this point, that guy that's that Elton's, you know, fighting in the trenches, he knows it's not a run right here. Right. Yeah, he's pulling off a little bit. Maybe if he keeps pushing, it might have getting blown up. But, but I I see what you're saying though, because as far as a hat count, I mean, right. they had a hat count. Right. You're right. And and to be honest, to be 100% transparent, Rogers kind of forced this pass. But again, what he's looking, he's already made the decision to go away yeah. from the run. So now he's like, okay, I just gotta hold this guy just long well, enough in that bubble and you got to feel good about it you know what i mean i mean just the yeah. situation i mean it you, you look to the bubble first and if if they got a good block then you can throw it if not you know you only got one guy that's going to be able to to save his life i mean it, the the success percentage in his brain watching this setup had to be 90 percent. we're, we're going to get a big play on this so yeah I, I think pre-snap he knew i'm not i'm not handing the ball off i don't really care how good of a job they do blocking yeah, because again, he he sees he's got this will linebacker, this yeah. weak inside linebacker on an island. He knows yep. I've got I've got the numbers game here. It's just do I want to go to the bubble or do I want to go to the the little streak there, little fly route to to Cobby and and Cobby knows what's coming right here. He sees. Oh yeah, he, he he's just trying to find the sweet spot. He knows that ball's coming to him. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the stuff that Rogers was talking about when he's like, it's you know when. It's easy to go, all right, we need to play our players in the preseason, but until you get into these situations, that's where you really learn, all right, here's how the offense is going to adapt. You know, there's no way that Rodgers could have told Cobb exactly what to do pre-snap. It's just you've got to fill that out right there. And and there's a lot of option routes that are involved in this offense, and that's something I don't completely understand, nor do I try to pretend I do. But this is a very, very complex approach. But, again, you've got three options on one play. Yep. 
And and that's exactly what Rodgers was talking about the other day when they asked him, how often do you change the play at the line of scrimmage? And he's like, well, I've got complete freedom. But in, in a, basically in a nutshell, what he said was there's a lot of different things going on, kind of yeah. like Brady. I got a lot of crap going on. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, that's uh, it's impressive. And, again, man, it's setting up like, okay, this could have been a zone right run a zone right run or a, a power run, however you want to list it, you know, with the guard, guard in the center pull them. This could have been a five-yard gain. It could have been, who knows, he might have broken off for 10 or 15. But instead, Rodgers being on the same page with Randall Cobb, something as subtle as this play right here, turns into a 40-yard gain on first down. Yeah. And uh, that came in the second quarter. Now, think about in the, in the late in the third and early in the fourth, Ryan, when I was in the chat and I was going absolutely ballistic like, the clock is our enemy here. The clock is our opponent. Let's mm-hmm. run the ball. Let's run the ball. But when these plays happen, you don't hear Clayton go, why did he throw that pass? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's just the way it works. So yep. um, I thought that was a really cool look. Again, guys, that uh, that play was 11 gun, trips left, strong right, halfback weak, zone right, bubble, lucky alert. It could have been power right, bubble, lucky alert. And all coaching staffs have a little bit different terminology. I just want to be able to break this down in a simplistic manner to help people understand, okay, here is exactly what's going on um, in the play. You know, that's why sometimes, Ryan, I use the uh, the archaic approach of just using the number system when it mm-hmm. comes to play calls too, you know, from left to right, the number routes. It's a fly, you know, if it's a fly route, okay, it's a nine route. It's a nine, one, eight. So it's a nine, 18, whatever, you know, rather than, using, you know, strike or, uh, you know, Haas, whatever all these combinations are. Every offense is just a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, so that's your Chalk Talk segment. Hope everybody enjoyed that. And what we're going to do is take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're just going to talk a little bit about this Patriots game coming up and uh, and kind of set the stage for that. But like I said, let's take us just a, uh, a quick commercial break. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Ryan, I haven't got a chance to talk to you about this Patriots game much, man. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I opened the show up kind of sounding very, very confident. You never <laughs> want to write Bill Belichick off, obviously. Right. Um, their defense has played pretty solid. You know, it really has. But I want to kind of test the waters with you, man. Got New England coming into Lambeau. Obviously, we're coming off a big win. I think the Packers have a lot of momentum. At least that defense does, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, with the New England Patriots, their offense uh, scoring-wise is ranked 25th at 16.7 points per game. Their defense is 22nd, 23.7 points per game. The game that stood out to me where they put the biggest, the best game together was against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week two, but we know they don't really have a quarterback. Yeah. Um, what do you think, man? Are you feeling pretty good about this one? I am off the top of my head. Um, I, I know that their offense is the biggest thing that's been struggling. And, um, you know, I mean, Tampa's kind of the same way. Chicago's kind of the same way. So it's not as though, you know, we shut down powerhouse offenses. Now we're getting a week one. We're just getting another week one. But uh, it'll be it'll be good for our defense to be able to go up against them. Um, but but what you said about Bill Belichick is exactly right. And one of the predictions I made, I went the wrong direction this past week. I bet on the Raiders to beat Tennessee. And just as I was saying that that was going to happen, I looked at the coaches and I was like, are you really going to have what's his name over for the Raiders, that failure of a head coach beating uh, Vrabel? And I was like, I, that's a stupid decision, but I'm not going to change my mind. I'll go with it. And sure enough, Tennessee Titans go on to win the game. Bottom line, you don't ever bet against the better coach. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying he's better than our guy necessarily, but um, you know, guys like this don't get to that position because they're dummies. And, and there is an element to that. And um, even with, you know, teams like, Kansas City, teams like Tampa Bay, you look at the talent and go, we got this. This will be fine. And it's just an absolute dogfight through the whole thing, and you can't quite figure out what it is. These coaches are brilliant, man. They know how to put their guys in a, in a position, and game planning is so important. They're going to study your team. That Bill Belichick is the master of this. He's going to find out what the Packers do best. He's going to take that away, and he's going to say, all right, figure out what to do now. I think to our advantage, though, is as I've been saying all year, we don't really have that thing anymore. You know, I mean, if this was Bill Belichick last year, he comes in saying, we're taking Devontae away. That's it. That's the number one thing. You will not throw to Devontae. We'll, we'll go from there. What are you going to do? Take away Lazard? I mean, I, I guess you could try to stop the run would be probably the number one thing they're going to try to do. But I, I just don't know that they have the firepower anymore to be able to execute because that is the other component of this. There's the, there's the coaching. There's the discipline. There's the right calling and the right game plan and all that, but then it comes down to execution, and I think that's where they're going to falter. And then the the ultimate trump card here is that it's in Lambeau, and the Packers' offense and defense are just powerhouses when they're at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. You know, <clears throat> the three things that I always take into consideration when trying to pick a matchup is, like you said, head coaches going head-to-head, um, quarterbacks going head-to-head, and then the edge rush. I kind of feel like those are the three factors that come into play the most. Head-to-head, I got to give it to Belichick, right? Quarterbacks, yeah. you got to give it to the Patriots. No, I'm just joking. You got to give it <laughs> to Green Bay, obviously. <laughs> now, let's look at the edge rushers. You know, uh, Dietrich Wise Jr. is really emerging as one of the one of the better young pass rushers. They got Matthew Judon on the other side. Yep. Um, you know, when it comes to, to Green Bay, um, obviously Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, I feel like are both playing very well. I know the PFF grades aren't quite showing up. That's kind of how it is with Matthew Judon right now, too. You watch him play and you think, OK, that's a solid pass rusher. But the PFF grades just aren't there yet. And um yeah, so with that being said, I kind of look at the edge might be a little bit of a push, maybe tilted towards Green Bay. But, man, that quarterback factor is absolutely yes. huge. Um, I think you're going to get a very creative game plan from Bill Belichick where they're going to come out and run the ball early and run it often. It's going to come down to stopping their run game uh, for sure. So um, let me check in on the uh, chat here real quick. We've got, um, let's see here, just a couple people asking questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is great radio right here. All right. I'm not sure if you've done this before, but it'd be really cool to break down a scramble drill to see what Rogers actually expects in those moments. That comes from Adam Kirby. And he also said, um, because how can some receivers be better at scrambling than others? I'm thinking it's gotta be, uh, be just find the open zones and show your numbers. Um, but it must be so much more than that. I think it comes down to trust, Adam, to be honest with you, man. Um, you know, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, when it comes to scramble drills, it's just recognizing that a scramble drill is taking place, recognizing that as soon as possible, and getting back to the quarterback to help out. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Now, I do know this. It's no secret, Ryan, that when those scramble drills start, Rodgers is looking at one or two guys, and those right. are the ones that he's got the most trust in. And yeah. uh Alan Lazard, man, I'm telling you, that dude, just, you know, like Rogers on the McAfee show um, yesterday, uh, talking about just how how he does so many things for the offense, so many things off key um, that that goes unnoticed. He's got that same trust that, uh, that Randall Cobb has. And, and another play that I almost put on here to break down, but I thought I don't want to do too many, was a play where they canned a run at the line of scrimmage, and it was there in the fourth quarter where he hit Lazard on that little, you know, over-the-top pass off his back foot in the face of a blitz. And um, that was a play, I believe Elton Jenkins missed the block, but it didn't even matter because Rodgers put it around the money. That shows you who he's got to trust in. I mean, game on the line, you need a first down, you got to move the stick somehow or another. And if they hadn't got that first down, Brady's got a lot more time there, you know, in the fourth. But uh, what do you think about scramble drills, man? What comes into play? Yeah, so, I mean, the the really hard part about it is – you know, when, when you talk about running a route, the, the the quarterback is not throwing where you are. He's throwing where he expects you to be. In a scramble drill, there is no route that's planned on this. So if, if, if I want you to go that way, and I'm going to throw it out there, and you're not going to run that way, now I'm going to throw a pick. So there has to be an understanding at this point, hey, this is the situation. I'm going to go this way and, and, you know, stay that direction. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to go the other way. I'm going to go over here. And the quarterback has to know you're going to do that, throw it to the right spot and get you there. So, I mean, there's so much that has to be developed that 
you know, you, you already hit it on the head with trust, but it's, you know, it's on a deeper level. It's not just, I don't trust you, so I'm not going to throw it to you. It's, we have to learn how to do this together. You have to know based on the situation, what I expect of you, because I'm going to just launch it in an area. And I expect you to know that you're supposed to be running in that area. And if you, you don't know that, you're not getting it in the scramble drill. And, and beyond that, there are other times if you watch some of these scramble drills, the guys are kind of just standing around. Like, I don't know, I ran my route. What am I supposed to do now? So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be developed. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, in those situations, he's he's saying, where's Cobb? <laughs> right? It's yeah. where, Where's my buddy Cobb at? Because that's where I want to go. Because, you know, if if there's anybody – and maybe it's not quite that way anymore, but I remember back in the day, man, he, he and Jordy especially, but uh, Randall Cobb, man, he was something else in those scramble drills. The the mind meld that those two had, it was something. It was almost like it was better after the play broke down. It was incredible what those guys <laughs> did. Yeah, I completely agree. And and that's what's so cool about Dobbs too. Like you, you see Aaron has that with Randall Cobb big time. You see he's got a little bit of that with Alan Lazard, even in the short time they've been together. Um, not as a couple, but, you know, on the field. Um, <clears throat> but Dobbs, um, you can tell he doesn't have that trust in Dobbs yet, but everything they're doing with Romeo Dobbs is within the structure of the offense. And, man, Dobbs is – I'm telling you, he's quickly earning that trust. It's yeah. only a matter of time. And Aaron said it yesterday on the Pat McAfee show there on Tuesday. He said, um, you know, Romeo is very, very studious. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's always asking questions. And he said, Aaron kind of cut himself off. He said, when he's quizzed by the coaches, and he kind of said, you know, when he's asked a question in a meeting, he's always got the right answer. So he's on the right track, man. I, you know, I did not want to buy into the Romeo Dobbs hype too much yeah, because same. I'm like, there's a reason he fell in the draft. Yep. Typically that happens with your Antonio Browns and, and Tyreek Hills because right. there's some kind of, personal character. Yep. Yeah, character right and and with romeo man you hear him talk and, and it sounds like he came from a rough upbringing too he just looks like he appreciates the game for everything it is he appreciates the opportunity he keeps his head down he keeps his mouth shut and he's he's just out there to work but uh could you imagine man how exciting it's going to be when he develops that chemistry with aaron Rodgers? and not only that with the offseason and how everything unfolds, if Aaron does come back next year, you've got him working with Jordan Love in the offseason. They can start to develop that a little bit more as well. Yeah. Um, that's that's exciting stuff. But uh, what do you think of Romeo, man, in that performance? Eight targets, eight catches. Well, I mean, that's uh, I'm with you. I wasn't trying to buy into it because fans do that every year. Half every the year. draft, I mean, it's probably more than half the draft. 90% of the guys that got drafted – somebody's really high on them. There might be one that everybody hated or whatever, but, you know, there's seventh-round guys, sixth-round guys. So when I heard a patch, you know, there's a small Romeo Dobbs group that that was like, this guy's going to be special. It's like, well, all right, we'll see what happens. And I even went through the numbers. I'm like, here's the number of fourth-round wide receivers that are Hall of Famers, and it was like one or two. I mean, it just it doesn't happen. These guys don't succeed in the NFL. So I didn't want to write them off, but I was like, just let's temper our expectations. But – um, no, I mean, I, I don't know what's missing. The guy can seemingly do everything. And, and, you know, we talk about trust being a big factor because he's already proved that he's got the athletic ability, the hands, the speed, all that stuff. But, you know, two of the big things that stand out, first of all, like you said, eight for eight. For a guy that had drop issues to come in, get the ball eight times and not put one on the ground, that's trust right there. I mean, one of the biggest things with A.J. AJ Dillon, it's don't drop my ball. And he's caught some crazy passes and that's the important thing. You know, if, if I'm off target, I expect you to bail me out. 
And um, some of those passes are out in front of him, and he just gets his hands out there, and it's like they're suction cupped in there. They're beautiful catches. That's massive trust from Aaron Rodgers because that was away from the body. That looked like it was going to get dropped, and he somehow caught it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, again, eight for eight, you're developing that trust. Rodgers wants to go to you, and, and you're rewarding him. You're not dropping my ball. You're getting yards after the catch. You're being productive. As long as you keep doing that, I'll keep coming to you. So I'm excited, man. I think they're going to – now that he's proved that, I think they're going to start building him more and more into the, into the, uh, the, you know, the plans going forward. So I, I, don't think, I don't think he goes backward is the point. I think he's entrenched in this position. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't, I don't see it either. And, you know, what was the big knock on him in camp? It was his hands, right? right? And now we're sitting here talking about, wow, this guy's got great hands. Like right. the way he catches the ball, like what happened, you know? And yep. you got to give credit. You got to give kudos to Jason Brabel, right? Because, I mean, he's he's the one that's been working with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not a Devontae Adams in the room to help provide that veteran leadership from a superstar standpoint, right? Although Aaron did, again, yesterday on the McAfee Show, talk about Alan Lazard's leadership and what he means to the locker room and the young guys. Um, I don't know. I'm falling in love with Lazar, dude. I kind of hope they bring him back. I really yeah. do. But uh, especially when you see them, see him blowing them up with these run blocks. But uh, this comes from Elevated Shine. I don't know if that's Moonshine or not. He's speaking a little bit of my language here. But um, <laughs> he says, "Is it just me, or have you guys noticed Dobbs seems to carry the ball loose away from his body? Makes me nervous. It gets punched out." Now I will say this: there was a play there. I think it was in the first quarter, Ron. It looked like an RPO alert and it, it turned into a slant route. He hammered Romeo Dobbs, great twitch, great quickness, showed the hands that we just talked about, got upfield, and right there in, at the end of the tackle, the ball was jarred loose, and I kind of yeah. seen that myself as well. Um, you think that's going to be a concern? I, I think that's probably one of the only areas you can look at Dobbs and say, yeah, you could probably work on that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I can't point to too much specifically, but I, I, I know for a fact I've had that thought. I've had those flashes of, dude, cover that up. You know, I mean, when you start running with that one arm and the ball is kind of pumping with you, it's like, dude, you, you please go down. You know, a lot of why you look at Randall Cobb and stuff when they run, they're bear hugging that thing. And, you know, you're losing speed and agility when you're kind of hunched over the ball. But they don't care because the most important thing, it's not those extra two yards I'm going to get by huffing it. It's it's not putting this ball on the ground. So I, I'm sure. Well, here's what I know. The, the Packers coaches and the Patriots coaches have seen that. And uh, hopefully the Packers coaches are able to get that into his head because, you know, Patriots coaches and everybody else is going to be looking at that saying, you see that Dobbs kid running with that ball like that, you better punch it out. I mean, that's everybody. But, you know, if anybody's kind of struggling with that, start swinging because it's going to come out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, everything that I've heard, um, just kind of going to Twitter here before we wrap this big bear up, I'm on Ian Rappaport's Twitter uh, account here. Um, I didn't hack it. I'm reading his Twitter. I should say. <laughs> Darn um, it. Since, have some yeah. fun with that. <laughs> this came from September 26th. So this was obviously, I don't even know what the day is, man. I, I didn't even sleep today. All right. So this was yesterday. It says all pro left tackle, 49ers left tackle. I should say Trent Williams has a high ankle sprain. Coach Kyle Shanahan said no surgery, but those usually require a month of rehab at the least. Now, the reason I mentioned that is because with uh, Mac Jones, they're, they're kind of reporting it looks like a high ankle sprain. They did say mm-hmm. the x-rays came back negative. So with a high ankle sprain, looks like he'll miss a minimum of a month. So I think we are in the clear there. It's just, is it going to be Zappy or is it going to be um, Brian Hoyer? Uh, you know, either way, I think we're in good shape there. I don't think it's going to be, um, you know, devastating to have one or the other. 
But again, it's it's us against Belichick for sure. There was something else I wanted to ask you about here. I just seen it just. Well, there's there's one thing I know for sure. If Bailey Zappi is the quarterback and he ends up tearing it up against the Packers, um, I know one guy that's going to be insufferable on Twitter, and that's JJ because Bailey Zappi was a JJ guy. So we'll oh. we'll have to see how that we'll see how. I know he's not rooting for Bailey Zappi, but I'm just saying it's one of those things where you you pick your guy out and they have a good day, and you can't help but uh, feel good about it. So. I don't know how he's going to handle that, but if he has a big day, expect to see JJ doing victory laps on Twitter. That's good stuff. <laughs> and I think <laughs> Bailey Zappi, too, was a small school guy. And, and that's, I think so. Yeah, that's Belichick 101 right there. Yeah, exactly. Always that. Well, who was – I've already forgot his name. It's funny. Oh, everybody was – oh, Danny Etling, right? Danny Etling was a small school guy, if I remember right. And uh, he was drafted by the New England Patriots. Obviously, the Packers picked him up, put him on the practice squad. Bailey um, Zappi, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. The Hilltoppers. I couldn't tell you where Western Kentucky is, dude. I really couldn't. And I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> I know where EKU is, Eastern Kentucky. That was basically anyone who didn't get accepted in the University of Kentucky, you just go to EKU to party. That's all that was, just a party. That sounds school. good. Yeah. yeah, that's like the school I went to, Whitewater. You can't get in anywhere. You go there and you just, you know, yeah. Absolutely. The graduate graduation rate is somehow in the negatives. I don't know how that works. But anyway, I guess they're just cashing in on the fact that they uh, they're they're getting this tuition money and nobody's actually utilizing. It. They probably don't even have to have any teachers on staff out there. It's just go and try to play bad football and get thrown off a of campus for partying. So um, the other thing that Ian Rappaport uh, reported eight hours ago, kind of kind of news that's that's important to us. The Bears place wide receiver. Byron Pringle on injured reserve and yeah. signed linebacker Joe Thomas uh, from the practice squad. So it doesn't specify if that's the four-week injured reserve or if it's a season season in. And if you do know Ryan, just you know say so. But mm. um, Byron Pringle, that's a name we got. We heard mentioned quite a bit in the offseason. I mean, yep. it seems like anybody the Bears sign though, they're they're going to be world, you know, just superstars, right? But, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. What do you think of the Bears, man? What's your take on them, right? See <laughs> yes, you gritted. You trying to get me to fill the last 45 minutes of the show or what? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess Byron Pringle's kind of a big part of the offense, as big as you can be for a team that's throwing the ball eight times. But um, I I don't know, man. I mean, it, it's going to hurt because you need somebody. They're already struggling to throw the ball. But somehow, Equinemia St. Brown is their number one wide receiver. I, I don't know how in the world that's happening. Mooney's caught like one pass all year. Um, so yeah, I mean, losing Pringle is, is negative, I guess for, I mean, it's, it's like you said, graduation rate is negative. Yeah. Their passing is, is already negative. So who knows, maybe a negative and a negative becomes a positive. I don't, I don't know what kind of math that they're doing over there to begin with. So it's a, it's a, it's a disaster. I've never had more fun watching the bears. I, I I don't remember watching a team that's this horrible in my life. Just, just (laughs) pathetic. You know, the fact that literally they're passing, you have to go back to like the fifties to find a team that, that has like a run pass ratio like that. I went back and looked at it. They got like third down, third and 10, third and five, third, doesn't matter what it is. They run the ball. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> why, why, what are you third and seven? And you, why are you doing? Oh, that's right. Because your quarterback is garbage and you don't like him and you don't trust him to throw the ball. Okay. Now I remember that's right. It's Justin Fields is your quarterback. Yeah, And, and listen, man, I've got to I've got to speak up. I've got to tell on myself here. <laughs> I watched Justin Fields the first few games last year, early in the season, and I'm not going to lie and say that I watched them all year long. But the first couple games, I was like, ah, oh, they might have them something there. 
Yeah. And I heard everybody bash them from the Packers fandom this offseason. And every time I heard people bashing him, I was like, I think y'all are overreacting. I don't think he's that bad. Let's give him some time. Hey, I'm on board now. I was wrong. This dude looks horrible. And it, for, and, all and, the tra- for all the trash I talk, I never thought he was this bad. Like I, I, I was mostly just talking trash. Like I, I portrayed him as being this bad, but I was kind of just like talking trash to talk trash. This is, this is, this is horrific. <laughs> this is as bad as I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's really bad. And and it, that's the thing too. It's not like their running game is just out of this world and they're playing from ahead. Like you can tell that Luke Getzey and this coaching staff do not trust him to play quarterback. Right. That's. That's the only answer. And, and for good reason. I mean, look at how many interceptions he's thrown and just bad passes. You got the, uh, I don't remember exactly, a quarterback school guy or whatever showing plays where it's like he's got two guys open and he's standing there freaking out, takes off running. And it's like, I mean, yeah. there's so much just wrong. It's not just the accuracy. It's not just the decision-making and the mechanics. I mean, it's just, it's everything. Everything is wrong with what he's doing. And I, I'm just... I'm going to enjoy it as long as I can. I wish it was a Trubisky situation where he stuck around for about four years, but I'd be stunned if the Bears don't draft a quarterback next year because I just don't think it's in the cards for him. Yeah, I could see that too, man. I really could. And, uh, you know, it's just such a such a dramatic, a, a drastic, I guess you could say, contrast. Like we just broke down a play where Aaron Rodgers has three options on one play, right. two of which would have been successful. Yeah. And because he had pinpoint accuracy – and great chemistry with a receiver that was gone for several years and is now back, it turns into a 40-yard game. And then you've got on the opposite side down in Chi-Town, a quarterback with two open receivers afraid to throw the ball and decides to scramble. Man, we have been so blessed. I know you know it. I know our listeners listening to my voice right now know it. But it needs to be said again. Thank God that the Green Bay Packers have had the quarterback play they've had for as long as they have. I mean – because you watch some of these teams, man, and it's just like, God, that would suck to be a fan there. But. <laughs> just the contrast between Rodgers and Brady against Fields and Mills last week was was pretty a staggering contrast. Right. And, and you look at what's going on across the entire NFL landscape, like, you know, Indianapolis, they just beat Kansas City. Is that right? Am I thinking right? I think they just beat Kansas City. They just had a huge upset yesterday. And Indianapolis is like, Two weeks ago, I'm going, they're dead. God, they're horrible. How's Matt Ryan this bad? And then they turn around and get a big win this week. And then the Chargers come out, and I know Herbert is hurt, but the Chargers come out and they laid an egg against Jacksonville, which hold up now. Everybody's saying Jacksonville might be the real deal. You just don't know in this league, man. But the one thing you do know is hell or high water, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a solid quarterback. He'll have a bad game here or there, but my goodness, man. It's just we're spoiled. We're absolutely spoiled. Yep. Um, Anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here, man? Well, I I, I pulled up Bailey Zappi's preseason just to see how he did because he hasn't done anything in the regular season. So this preseason, um, he was 45 of 71, 462 yards, one touchdown, and three picks. So I'm okay with him starting if he wants to go ahead and slide in there against his Packers defense. I don't I don't think it's going to be him. I, I just maybe it is. I don't know. I just I feel like he goes with the veteran Brian Hoyer rather than throwing Zappi. But if they want to do that. I uh, I think it's going to be a fun day for us. Yeah, I, I I think either way we're in good shape. But yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, I, if it were my choice, I would go Brian Hoyer. He knows the yeah. offense in and out. He's 
familiar with the coaching staff and, and, and what they want to accomplish. And that's your perfect quarterback to try to lean on the run, which we know is, is kind of the Packers um, weakness. If there is one right now in this defense and, uh, I will say this. Um, first of all, Professor Cakes, I uh, love the name there, by the way. I love these these social media names are unbelievable. Man. <laughs> Professor Cakes says, yeah, they did beat Kansas City. The Indianapolis Colts did. But um, oh, what was I talking about? Uh, Lean on the run. It done left me. See, I eat too many Cocoa Pebbles just to say. I'm, I'm, I'm just reading uh, Daniel's comments because he, yeah. uh, he's not <laughs> talking about Wyatt this whole time. He's about 18 different comments asking us when we're going to talk about Wyatt and his seven snaps. Yeah. And I can't tell if he's being sarcastic about the seven snap thing or if he really, really wants a deep dive on those. I have, If you're being honest, I haven't watched it yet, but that is one of the things I want to do is go back and see how you get that high of a grade on just seven snaps because he must have been doing something pretty special. <laughs> yeah, and what he's referring to is, is Daniel in the chat said, is this just an offensive stream because Wyatt, just saying. Um, and I'll tell you this, Daniel, um, he's saying I'm being totally serious. It just came through in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here's the thing. I, I cover mostly offense, and the reason being is because, it, you know, I – I don't want it to just be something where we break down a, a multitude of plays and just okay, this player had a great game. This this was a huge play here. Yay, one is you know one is one on one. I want to kind of first of all, I want to learn myself exactly how this offense operates at a little bit different level, and it's going to be awesome to kind of help educate people along the way. We can all kind of learn together. And if you're into defensive stuff like that, man, look for Sam Holman on Twitter. That's kind of his forte, and I definitely didn't want to butt into that realm because he does it so much better than I could. Um, so I'm kind of staying on the offensive side of the ball while he's covering some of that stuff. And if you haven't heard it, Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast here on the Packernet Podcast uh, Network, make sure you check that out. Dude's always – I mean, it's just – it's a solid, solid podcast. And, um, again, if you've got any questions about why or want some talk about defense, that would be your guy to reach out to on Twitter. It's at Sam D. Holman, I believe, H-O-L-M-A-N. I believe is uh, is how you spell it, but uh, I'm gonna have to go back and look at it now because Ryan, what was Wyatt's uh, PFF grade? It was really really high, right? I think it was like a 91 or something. It was pretty ridiculous. Was it was it mostly pass rush or run uh, run defense? Uh, yeah, I believe it was pass rush. Give me one second here. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because I mean Wyatt was the highest on my board when the Packers took him. Like I was yeah. ecstatic when they drafted him, and I know that everybody was talking about he was a little bit older and this and that, which always cracks me up because. I'm like, they're like, well, you know, he's he's a little bit older. And I'm like, okay, he's one year older than the other guy. Are we going to, like, I'm confused here. We're, no. So we're worried about what he's going to do when he hits the wall at 30? I mean, we've, we've got a little <laughs> bit of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, so it was a, it was a 90.7 overall grade. His pass rush grade was a 90.7. Five of his seven snaps were pass rush. So he had five snaps at pass rush and got a 90.7 grade doing it. So... As, we'll have to see what what exactly he did, but it, it must have been pretty magnificent. Yeah, and I remember in camp too um, that they would talk about. It, it seemed like every day they were they were saying something about Wyatt beating a uh, beating a block. You know, I remember him doing a spin move on on Sean Ryan, which that's a name we haven't heard in a while, right? Yeah, Sean right. <laughs> but uh, it's it's funny though. I'll say this: I want to get too far off topic because we're going to go back to the chat here. But uh, <clears throat> the uh, when it when it comes to um, taking multiple swings in the draft, right? We were the, I feel like we were the most excited with Sean Ryan. Other than you, you were a big Zach Tom guy. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, if we had all, if we had put all of our eggs in that Sean Ryan basket, we'd be screwed right now. 
yeah. but they took multiple swings. Yeah. Lo and behold, three of them make the roster, if I remember right. You got Rasheed Walker, you got uh, Sean Ryan, and then you got Zach Tom. I believe yep. that was, yeah, there was just three, I think. Yep. So that's why you take multiple swings at positions of need. And it's funny that people say, oh, well, the Packers don't draft by need. Every team is going to draft the best player on the board. Right. But you got to understand that the scouting information was was allocated. It was, it was it was you know compiled from a sense of here's what we're gonna need. Let's go out and study those positions heavy. Lo and behold, you've got a multitude of those players at that position. So, um, yeah, Matthew in the chat says, "Go Pat, go." Um, let's see here. We'll get you up. Uh, so he was talking about um, uh, Daniel was talking about Devonte White getting double teamed a lot. So that's probably why the, the grade was so high. He was beating double teams. They're crushing the double teams. Yeah, that's pretty solid. That is awesome. He said, and winning. Um, good stuff. Said, bro, Walker was a beast. Um, here is uh, Com says, go pack, go. And then uh, <laughs> Matthew comes, Matthew Love comes back and says, Sean Ryan's the third round curse. That third round curse, man. Y'all were talking about this offseason. I was like, serious, off. man. Hey, it's, I'm, I'm kind of with you now. Hey, every, every year, I'm like, it ain't going to happen this year. I like this guy. If nothing else, he's going to be a good run blocker. And it's just, it will not, it will not die. What, what was it? Like, 2013, 2014, the last time we had a third-round pick hit? It was a long time ago. I know this, dude. When we do our draft coverage this year, when we do our live draft stream, when we take our third-round pick, I'm going to have Sage burning. I'm going to be like this. <laughs> like, we're, we've got to do something because you guys were talking about it, man. And I'm like, shut up. Y'all are over, over-exaggerating. And then, lo and behold, it happens. I'm going, maybe I need to just shut up and listen a little bit here. But um, It's to the point where it's happened so much that I'm thinking it's – it can't just be bad luck. It's got to be something in the process. Something yeah. about the way that they go about doing things. You know, in in the first round, you're drafting traits kind of thing. You want these certain things, and then you kind of shift a new strategy over here in the later rounds. Or, you know, first round, you want guys that are more well-rounded. They can do all these different things. And then you're looking for traits. Maybe there's like a little period in there around the third round where they're looking for something that they shouldn't be looking for. I don't know what it is. And they they a lot of times they'll trade up a lot. Like they really want to get somebody maybe that was on their board in the second round or something. I, I don't know, but there's, it just feels like this can't be a coincidence. There's gotta be something in their process that's flawed in the third round that they got to revisit. Cause it can't be a coincidence. I mean, you look I, at all the fourth, look at all the fourth and fifth round and sixth round hits. We have, we got a six round player on our offensive line right now. We got Zach Tom was a fourth round. David Bakhtiari was a fourth round. Elton Jenkins was a second round. I mean, every round first, second, fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh is more yeah. successful than third right now it's something is something's broken because that doesn't make any sense to me yeah i think you hit the nail on the head because it's pretty obvious now outside of jordan love and, and obviously they had you know a first round talent on him and you've got to go get a quarterback if you've got a first round grade on him um but outside of that it seems like in the first round they go for that raw physical talent and a lot of teams yeah. do that it's like okay quay walker this guy is just an absolute monster he, he jumps off the charts when it comes to you know, physical ability. And then it seems like they're um, in the third. I feel like in the third round, they reach a little bit is what it feels like. It's, it's almost yeah. like they're worried about losing somebody. So they reach a touch. And then once they get outside of the third round, it's just best player on the board. Yeah. And it just happens to work out. You know, it's almost like they, uh, they outthink themselves in the third round, but um, we're going to have to get out of here. I'm going to say this though. Uh, let's go one more chat here. Daniel says, I know it's blasphemy, but I found a Wyatt breakdown video on YouTube and it's got me excited. Check it out. So yeah, we'll, we'll be diving into some Devonte Wyatt now, because I'm telling you, if he emerges with the way Kenny Clark's playing, um, man, oh man, dude. And, and Jaron Reed, you know, beating a double team the other day, watching that happen. It was like, 
where did that come from? Yeah. Um, and uh, I won't get into the Holden conversation. I don't know if you're uh, keeping an eye <laughs> to Twitter or not, but boy, that's rowdy. That is hilarious. Yeah. Right. No, I, I I try not to touch it because I, I give people such a hard time that complain about the refs because they because <laughs> we get hit on that so hard. People constantly and I'm just like, shut up, you bunch. of. So I spend my entire week telling everybody we beat to shut up about the refs. I can't go down that road and complain about it, especially <laughs> after a win. I'm just like, I I would feel very hypocritical in doing that. So right. um, I, I, I get it and I saw the pictures, but I'm just going to let other people have fun and I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on that. <laughs> You're staying out of this one. Yep, that's not my fight. <laughs> it's funny because I was going to stay out of it, and I posted those pictures in our Discord chat, and and I'm and it's it it bothers me because I watch Brady real close, yeah. And this happens every single week, and it just so happened that I have all these Packer follows that you know people that I follow, and I see in these screenshots rolling in, and I'm like I've got like eight of them in my back pocket, mm-hmm. and these are blatant holes. So I'm like, you know what? I shared it in the Discord. And, of course, JJ, you know, uh, poking the bear. He says, man, you should put that on Twitter. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's, let's see. Just and next thing the, you know. Enter the arena here. I, I throw it on Twitter, you know, be, me being the, the Twitter newbie. And, and I look up and I'm like this, Ron. What happened? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah, Twitter's funny. Everyone, uh, you'll say the most, I mean, I, you'll say the most innocent thing. Like, oh, here's a little thing I found. And it'll just you don't realize you just poked a beehive. There's there's a <laughs> contingent of people that think a certain way, and I didn't even know they existed. And I'm just getting beat up by Packer fans for even like the Romeo Dobbs thing. I was comparing him to Devontae, just telling all the people who are hating our team to shut up. I got Packer <laughs> fans freaking out at me about it. I got Packer fans mad at me about posting the Devontae Wyatt grade, which I basically it was a joke. I even put on the bottom it was seven <laughs> snaps, shut up. Like, it, it's kind of a joke. We're just having fun, and people get so mad about the most – it's like, I'm just trying to have fun, man. It's just football. We're just trying to relax and have a good time, and people get so mad. And some of these guys, they just created an account. I can tell. Like, just made it – it's like, did you make a burner account just so you can attack me on this one stu- – like, are you that psychotic about this stuff? Like, lighten up, dude. Who cares? Bro, I, I crack up every time because, you know, someone will say something very extreme. And then I click on the profile and there's zero followers. Yeah. And they're only following eight people. And I'm like, man, okay, I guess you, well, you, you sure know how this works to be brand <laughs> yeah. new. At you it. want to get something off your chest, but you know, you're going to ruin your whole life. If you say it on your normal account, let me just go make another one real quick. Absolutely. It's, it's wild, man. It is wild. I'm telling you watching that feed blow up. I look up, you know, an hour and a half later, there was 800 likes and 25 people telling me how stupid I was for posting yep. four screenshots of some holds. I was like, oh, yeah, you can't post. That was another one I got killed for. You can't post a screenshot, you idiot. You can't learn from a <laughs> screenshot. <laughs> All right, dude, whatever. It's just a picture. If you don't get anything from it, then I guess you don't get anything from it. I'm just posting the picture. You draw your own conclusions. Yeah, like they literally had Rashawn Gary in a crossface chicken wing. But that doesn't show a hole. I'm like, okay, I don't get it, but it's fun though, man. It you just gotta kind of. <clears throat> what I'm learning is, uh, don't take anything personal, which I don't. Yeah, I try but, to remember that. Just yeah. and some people get it. You know, you try to like follow it up with a joke, but some people are so entrenched, you joke with them, and then they come back and hit you with a freaking left cross, and it's like, all right, dude, you want to do this? Let's do this, because because now you, yeah. I'm trying to be nice to you, and now you spit in my face. Like now I'm really upset. So now we're. <laughs> And then, and then you, it, like, it doesn't end. Like, I'll sit there all day arguing with this idiot right. who has two followers, and it's like, I can't. It's like, I, I tell myself I'm walking away, I'm not saying anything, and they say something so stupid, 
It's like, no, I, I can't leave that alone. I gotta, I gotta say something. And I know I got people that like have notifications turned on for me that are blocking me now because they're like, this idiot will not stop. He's blowing up my whole feed here. But I just, yeah. I have a disorder, man. I can't stop. If you're an idiot, I have to tell you you're an idiot. I'm sorry. I'm broken. I'm just broken that way. Right. And, and Jacob and I had a conversation about this off air one time. And it was like, it's, it's almost like we expect someone to just randomly in the middle of the argument go, you know what? You're right, man. Thanks for <laughs> right. pointing that out. Never, I think I've done that maybe twice in my life, but I've never had anybody to me just be like, oh, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. Absolutely. We got Andy Monday in the house. This is the guy that eats the bad burritos. Uh, yeah, while man. Lunch break. He says, Ryan's left arm slash hand looks awesome against the green screen. It looks like the wizard on the song Ooh. remains the same concert by Zeppelin from 1973. Oh yeah. Where it's got like the trail and stuff. I, I know what he's no talking, what about. talking about. I think man. I know it, what he's, it, Oh, you know what? No, I'm thinking of black Sabbath. There's like a black Sabbath. It's probably the same thing. It's a seventies thing. They're all probably the same. Yeah. I, I haven't listened to much Zeppelin. Were they on CMT? Because if they weren't, then I didn't <laughs> catch it. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, they were on BET. I think. Hey, hey, there you go. But, <laughs> Yeah, good stuff, Andy. Appreciate you hanging out with us, man. But listen, we haven't talked about anything. Um, well, hold on a minute. Quam, here we go. I hope I'm saying that name right. Com, Com 1000, Cam 1000 says, Twitter is not a real place. Dave Chappelle. <laughs> it's a Dave Chappelle quote. It's not, man. It's a, it's a, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't, yeah, I don't think Twitter knows what it is, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good stuff. Listen, guys, we haven't said anything productive. We haven't done anything productive in the last 20 minutes. So <laughs> Why are you off. people still here? <laughs> yeah, go, go spend time with your family. Right. right? You're, you're killing brain cells listening to this conversation <laughs> right now. But anyway, just want to appreciate everybody for dropping through. Um, again, if you're listening on the podcast uh, on the grind there um, on Thursday, really appreciate you uh, hanging out with us when this does drop. I've got my days completely mixed up. I don't even know what day it is. What is today? Today is Tuesday, right? Tuesday, so yeah. Go, like yeah, this will go out tomorrow on Wednesday. But uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And um, we'll be back. Like I said, I'm heading out of town, Ryan. I believe Jacob's going to try to man the ship there for the postgame show. Um, I'm going to try to call in for that because I'm going to be up in New York this weekend. But if I could put a pot out whenever I can, I definitely will um, for sure. So, uh, again, thanks for everybody who dropped in. Appreciate you in the comments. Thanks for uh, downloading the pod. Appreciate you listening. Um, as always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go, Pat, go. Just to go. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Stop.